0: Where are you going, listener? If you live down here, you'd be home by now. Come join the pod, listener. Haven't seen it. You'll float down here. Follow them on uh, Apple and Spotify. Give them five-star reviews and you'll float down here. Yes, we do. It's coming up next.
1: Haven't Seen It with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello everybody, welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time and today that person is myself. I have not seen it. Well now I have.
0: Oh, now you have, but uh, this was the highest grossing September release of all time. The third highest grossing R-rated uh, film of all time and the highest grossing horror film of all time. that it came out five years ago. So where were you five years ago that you never saw this movie?
1: <laughs> Doing anything else with my time, to be frankly <laughs> honest with you.
0: You you saw the Stephen King clown and you're like, ah, fuck it. I don't care about that. Tim Curry all the way.
1: <laughs> well, I, I remember. No, I've never even seen the Tim Curry one. I. I think it's been mentioned on this podcast before, and I'm already just horrified to to get through the slump buster that is October, when Tommy's just like, we're doing this horror movie, and this horror movie, and this horror <laughs> I movie. I can't
0: wait. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, oh no. I'll I'll make it somewhat watchable for you. <laughs> no, I know you will. Yeah,
1: it, it's interesting. I'm Frankly, after watching it, I'm surprised it grossed that much money. Like I, I didn't think it was that good was yep. it cuz the stranger kids thing was in it like were people just like yeah i'm really clamoring more of that stranger things
0: so stranger things was what like a year before uh this movie came out like that was when season 1 happened yeah
1: and uh season 2 was probably was probably right around then too like right before or after that all right Yeah, that came out a year later
0: so it was like right in that window where like stranger things is really big the kids coming out and this is kind of a very similar spielbergie and uh take on a very famous uh stephen king novel that honestly the miniseries and we'll get into it <laughs> so i'd say people were just rave for pennywise and the trailer was sold it perfectly <laughs>
1: yeah the, i remember the trailer being really good for it but we'll get into it more but first of all tommy how was the movie that we saw in theaters yesterday what, what was that little it's a, it's a small indie film you've probably never heard of it before
0: yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it. It's called uh, Jaws. Um, so we saw an IMAX uh, and it was incredible. Uh, it really like obviously to me and I've seen this movie multiple times. And unfortunately, we won't be covering on the pod because we think it might be impossible to find someone that's never seen Jaws before. If you do come slide in our DM so we can get an episode on Jaws. And it was amazing. Like seeing an IMAX added a new dimension to this movie. I've seen multiple times, like hundreds of times, practically. And this is like my fourth time seeing the big screen, first time ever in IMAX. And it just added like a new dimension of sound to it, where like you hear the ocean behind you and all this other stuff. It was just an incredible experience.
1: Yeah, I think it also hurts this movie that I watched Jaws and then I watched it. And it's not even a f- remotely fair comparison of these <laughs> two movies. Like, not even remotely close.
0: No, no. <laughs> So Jaws, I mean, like you watched Jaws before, whereas I watched Jaws after watching it. So, I mean, that probably helped me to (laughs) just watch.
1: I mean, just like experiencing a movie like that, like just all the little details that are kind of hard to make out on TV. uh, You know, just the way you'd normally watch Jaws, like being in the theater with the sound like erupting around you in your seat. Like I was locked Mm -hmm. in the entire time. It it It, was just it's such a good movie, man. It's so good.
0: Yeah, it, it, it hits so much better. I mean, like with IMAX, where you literally hear like the sounds of the ocean uh, coming in behind you, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like you're, it's like you're practically almost in the ocean in some way. So, really great screening right there. So it's a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you get the chance, if it's playing at your local IMAX, definitely go see Jaws in theaters. I think it was a only weekend thing, so you might have missed it. <laughs> yeah, I could see them bringing it back. Uh, yeah. It's Joss, come on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Joss, you can you can play it again. Now on to a more miserable movie. Oh. This oh, oh. is it.
0: When you're a kid, you think the universe revolves around you, that you'll always be protected and cared for.
1: Then, one day, you realize that's not true. it only in cinemas the summer of 1989 it was a wonderful joyful time for to be a young child there was no adult supervision so you could kind of do anything you wanted like scar a child and shave an h (laughs) into his stomach with a switchblade you could get into (laughs) rock fights you could shoot a cat (laughs) the good old days it also (laughs) allows a giant clown to terrorize you, this is it. Now, when I say this is a more miserable movie, I mean, compared to Jaws, this like just the story overall, it's a lot yeah. more dour, it's a lot more depressing. I
0: mean, hey, kids die in both movies. <laughs> True, I got you there.
1: I, I, you know, my general impressions did I think it was a bad movie? No, it's well made. Do I think it has a lot of issues? And I think a lot of it just stems from like the source material. Yes, I think it has a lot of issues and a like a very unbalanced story. And they did the best they could, I think personally. Like I don't, I don't, I think it's a well, ex- I think it's well executed. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think it. I think like that it's just so all over the place. Like it, infamously and allegedly, so mm-hmm. so he doesn't sue us. Stephen King was on a whole lot of cocaine when he was writing this <laughs> yeah. book, and you can feel it. You can, you can feel it in. screenplay like the story feels a little disoriented but i think like some of the higher horror parts like the parts where pennywise gets to shine like i think it really comes through and that's like the strength of this movie
0: yeah literally the movie's just like building up to the next pennywise experience um this uh, novel was written in uh 1986 was when released it was uh like the top selling fiction novel of all um of the year and uh, this was during King's uh, heavy uh, use of coke from 1978 to 1986. He used so much drugs and alcohol. He barely remembered writing Cujo during this period. So uh, I wish that my blackouts would experience something like that. <laughs> a major hit.
1: That was the, the period, too, where he had to take like a pseudonym because he was public. He was writing so much that he was coming out with like four books a year. And his publisher was just like Stephen you're go- you're going to flood the market. I can't remember what his pseudonym was, but I remember uh, uh Richard Bachman, yeah. <laughs> Richard Bachman, shout out Joel Edminster, the Stephen King uh expert at our high, uh, at our high school. He yeah. he w- was like, yeah, Richard Bachman is is Stephen King and it's because Stephen King was so drugged up and he was just writing so much <laughs> that they he, literally he... didn't ha- like they had he had to have a, a pseudonym to match what he was writing because it was too much supply.
0: Do you think it's possible that there's like other pseudonyms out there that like no one's ever discovered and just like, there's just like other, like like 10 other novels or something like that from that period.
1: <laughs> no, because I think Stephen King books kind of have a very distinct writing pattern. I, I've read yeah. like probably five or six of them in high school and they're usually like coming of age mm-hmm. stories set in new England with like a freaky element. And then there's the Shawshank redemption and the green mile
0: a little different are, Um, that are
1: a little different. I know his later stuff kind of turns different, but his stuff from like the seventies and the eighties is all this like horror filled, like youthful adventure kind of
0: stories. Uh, yeah. I remember
1: Carrie, right? Like that's another one. That's
0: Carrie, and Christine are kind of similar take place in high school and stuff. Richard Bachman, uh, his alias at the time, uh, before he was discovered that was Stephen King. Some reviewers would be like, this guy is very reminiscent of one Stephen King. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can imagine he doesn't remember writing most of this, because it, <laughs> the story is very, like, detached, I I think, is a good way. Or, like, I think the motivation is almost not there for the circumstances that the these kids are going through. And it's not like they're going to adults, to the cops, being like, please, please, you have to believe us. There's this crazy cl- clown, and the-. they're like, ah, oh, you kids, why are you smoking dope? Stop smoking dope, kids. That doesn't. That's a like that scene doesn't take place where they try to get you know somebody with like authority or somebody to believe them. They're just like Georgie's or Richie's brother Georgie dies. Bill's the, brother. Bill's brother. Georgie dies in the beginning of the movie. He gets taken by Pennywise under the sewer. I actually have a little clip from that because I think it just it sets the the tone of Pennywise and like how menacing and creepy he truly is. Hiya Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back? Um, yes please. You look like a nice boy. I bet you have a lot of friends. Three, but my brother's my best ass.
0: Where is he? In bed, sick.
1: I bet I could cheer him up.
0: I'll give him a balloon.
1: Do you want a balloon too,
0: Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Pennywise? Yes, me, Georgie.
1: Georgie? Meet Pennywise. <laughs> now we aren't strangers, are we? What are you doing in the sewer? A oh, storm blew me away. Blew the whole circus away.
0: <laughs> Timmy, I, uh, I have one question for you. Um, would there be anything that Pennywise could get you to get down the drain right there? <laughs>
1: no. Not nothing, n- not not a single thing.
0: I, I i think that if he said like hey, like uh you know the Mets are down here and like they just won the World Series me and like come on, like you gotta come down and like celebrate the World Series with your favorite team. You 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 give it a second. <laughs> if it was like five-year-old Timmy, he'd probably be like, Oh, really? Are they down here? They're gonna win the World Series. Oh,
1: five five-year-old me, yeah. I mean, Tommy, you would probably go down there for like a I have a
0: Big Mac down here for you, Tommy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> He's like, well, oh,
1: it has been two hours since my last meal. <sighs>
0: <laughs> oh, I guess I gotta go down there now. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Thank you, Pennywise. <laughs> He'd just be like, oh, you have an N64 down there? And, um, you know, we could play GoldenEye, Tommy. I'm like,
1: oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I got 50 Chicken McNuggets down there for you, Tommy. Oh, <laughs> wow. <Whoa!
0: laughs> Bill Scasgard, um, who's playing um, Pennywise right here, it's just, the voice right there is amazing. Uh, my impression earlier was terrible. There's more Roger Rabbit than Pennywise, but he just has that little menace to him right there where it, he seems kind of almost charming where he's throwing in the kid right there, but there's just a little bit of just like undercurrent of just like just creepiness and unsettledness. Uh, it's a really fine, uh, fine line, and I think he does a great job with it. Yeah, I
1: would say he's like the standout performance. It's definitely a tricky role to play because you do need mm-hmm. to find a way to somewhat convey any charm whatsoever like some kind of charm that can mm. actually allure people to him but he is also very terrifying too like you can hear it in just in the way he his voices I mean he's also in a sewer which is typically a you know a sign of not good things I would say if kids if you're listening and if you ever hear a voice in a sewer don't don't go down there don't <laughs> just go run over away. there just run away don't don't be a hero
0: I I think that Scottish guard like really plays like the thin line between it. Um, Will Poulter was apparently originally cast uh, back when Kerry Fukunaga was going to direct this Um, and then uh, scheduling conflicts arise. So he ended up getting casted as between him and like Hugo weaving and Hugo weaving really couldn't play the charming side of it. He could only play the menacing side of it. So, and you can see like why you really need that. Cause like if Pennywise from the beginning was just scary old menacing Pennywise and like, you know, you couldn't believe the character of Georgie going down the drain or something, you know.
1: I couldn't see Hugo Weaving pulling this off. Honestly, sometimes you need somebody that's not a huge name for these kind of roles mm-hmm. where it's like you need the character to shine through and not the actor to shine through, right? Mm-hmm. You need to let the character completely take a hold of you. And, and Scar Scar definitely does that. Yeah. And Carrie Fukunaga was, he directed True Detective season one he directed every single episode. Did you ever see True Detective season one?
0: I've seen a couple episodes, but not all the way through. But um yeah, Wait, he, you didn't
1: you you didn't finish it
0: I I don't know. I I, I watched like an episode or two and then I kind of got like there's so much other shit that was out there that I kind of got distracted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um <so laughs> yeah uh well he originally uh so what happened was originally um with this movie we're just gonna skirt past that right there this adaptation started in 2009. Um, Warner Brothers wanted to make an R-rated movie of it, and they wanted to focus on the first half of the novel, which is more based on the kids. And uh, David, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Kajina, uh, he wrote The Invasion in the remake of Suspiria. Uh, he was hired to write the screenplay. And then in 2012, Kerry Fukunaga took over. He also did No Time to Die, and he was going to be the director. Then he dropped out in 2015 um, as director. It was first reported because of budget costs, but he actually said it was because I was trying to make an unconventional horror film. It didn't fit into the algorithm what they uh, could spend and make money back of Uh based on not offending their standard genre audience. So he really had like a, I guess, more unconventional take on it, but I don't know if that would have worked more David Lynch would have been weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, that probably would have worked better for me. Well, and I think part of it. Is because Stephen King is so protective of his work and he wants very literal adaptations after The Shining, like which he hates, which is considered like maybe the greatest piece of horror filmmaking of all time. Mm-hmm. And of course, the guy who wrote the book is like, well, it's not accurate enough, so it's it's not good. Yeah. Where this is one that you could probably benefit from like a second pair of eyes and reworking and reorganizing things. Like I'm sure he understands why the gangbang scene was cut. He's probably yeah. he's probably understands why that's not for conventional audiences. You know,
0: that was probably the coke bender. <laughs> that most,
1: was coke. most people don't want to watch an orgy with 14 year olds.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh, very thankful that was cut. You know, there's some things in the novel. I mean, they kept more of the spirit of it. Um, the miniseries, which I watched recently, they pretty much were like slaves to the material and the material. I mean, it's fine. But I mean, you don't need to go through like all the characters and everything like that. And, and instead of that one you know the character's fears are based on like you know random like kid things or like the leper or something more scary in the novel and in um the miniseries it's like the wolfman and dracula and like the mummy or something like that and it kind of makes it more of a hokey kind of lame feel to it
1: and those like creatures maybe play better in the to an 80s audience or Written in the 80s for an audience of people that maybe read, watch these movies as kids in the 50s and 60s, right? Mm -hmm. Like the mummy isn't, and the wolf man aren't scary to kids anymore. Mm -hmm. So just like from an audience perspective, as an adult in their 20s, they're not going to believe that these kids are scared of the mummy from the movie, the mummy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, This movie, uh, they, I think it was a smart idea to move it up to the 80s and make it a little more modern in terms of like nostalgic lenses. You know, there's a lot of posters of Freddy Krueger, of one of the Freddy Krueger movies in this movie. And there was originally an idea of having Freddy Krueger being one of the forms that Pennywise takes as, like, one of the kids' fears. And, you know, as much as I love Freddy Krueger, that would have been, like, the hokey, hacky version of this movie, where would have been, like, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and, like, fucking Chucky come to attack the kids based as Pennywise. It would have been, like, the Space Jam New Legacy version of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, that that's, like, a good call on the cut. What did you think of, like, the kids' performances? I thought the the girl that played Beverly was very good. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought she was probably the best kid kid actress, kid actor, and I thought the kid who played Bill was also very good because having to go through that stammer is pretty difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a Jaden Martell and Sophia Lillis. I thought they both did a very good job. Finn Wolfhard was in the movie, too. I thought his performance was like not good
0: oh really i, I was about to say that I, I loved his performance in this movie it felt like a natural like little shit kid that's just like runs his mouth too much
1: <laughs> i i thought it was better as he as that became more filtered towards the end but
0: mm-hmm. i
1: just felt like it was like too jarring and like the like the little ant like they were so they're kind of like one very one-dimensional characters at the beginning like you have the one over anxious kid who was, uh what is that is that that's, That's Eddie, Eddie. Yeah. yeah. He who's just like talking about like random statistics and stuff like that. You have uh, Richie Finn Wolfhard, who's just like yeah, cursing and yelling. Like he's the kid that curses, right? I thought their chemistry came together much more after the first attack in in the house, and they kind of like separate for a little bit, and they go their separate ways. And when they come back after Beverly goes missing, I thought there like their chemistry all vibe really well together. But I thought like in the opening scene like in the opening scenes I, I didn't think their chemistry it felt like a lot of adr it felt like this is what we picture kids in the 80s to sound and talk like
0: yeah i i don't know i mean i i felt very believable th- uh, to me like throughout the film um i mean i thought that the kids like had a natural rapport i mean um there could be a way where i could have been a lot more just terrible kid actors you know you have a cast of like oh yeah it was
1: it wasn't bad kid acting by any means i I think it's hard with someone like finn wolfhard because like he especially that first season of stranger things he really carries it out in an acting performance Mm -hmm. so like i probably just hold him to a higher esteem
0: well, I think that Richie's a lot different character than uh, the character yeah. is in Stranger Things.
1: No, I, no, and that's not a bad thing, but I think mm. he's, I I felt, and maybe it's just like we needed a little, either a little more, in, like he's the one kid we don't really get a cutaway to, to them individually being haunted by uh, Pennywise on his own. It's only with other people in there. Like you rarely see him just alone. He's n- not really just doing his own thing.
0: There's the one scene when they get into the house where you see like his fear of clowns, but um, there is a point with like the editing of this movie, and it's kind of true to the novel in that sense, where this is almost like a theme park thing where we go from set piece to set piece to set piece of like the different kids exploring their fears. And for me, it kind of it definitely worked, I think, um, but it was definitely you could tell like a very fast pace right there. Where's let's go 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 go. How did how did it work for you?
1: I thought the pacing was good, and like I understand that cut. It's more of just like like you would have wanted to get his fear of clowns like on his own i think that's maybe the one scene that was missing from mm. the entire thing and, and cuz just everybody like um mike hanlon who plays chosen the the kid who's the homeschooled kid like mm. he he just joins the group later he's like the the add on so like we and we even get a scene of him alone with his own fears like encountering pennywise seeing a vision But like one of the kids in the core four kids before they add every the other three on, we don't get that unless it's like in a set in the set piece. You know, he doesn't get his own set piece.
0: Yeah, yeah, he gets. Yeah, I get you right in that sense. That, um, but I don't know. Overall, I mean, kid actors, I think were great in this. Um, when comparing this to the miniseries, um, the kid actors were just like. Awful, I mean, like, there's Seth Green in there, and Seth Green is still bad in that, and it's just like not believable whatsoever. It's just the acting is just
1: ugh. do you think? <laughs> Seth? Do you think Seth Green's a good actor?
0: I think he's funny, um, in roles, but I mean, he has a kind of a lane that he stays in. <laughs> I don't think he's a like a traditionally great actor,
1: <laughs> no? Yeah, it's like you got to cast him as like the guy that's kind of a douchebag and you're not sure where he got it from,
0: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like the kid that's way too confident than he should be
1: <laughs> or when he just plays himself in entourage
0: yeah that's
1: too. <laughs> yo e tell sloan i said what's up just tell her i said what's up man that's all that's all i want to say <laughs> that yeah that's seth late. i didn't realize he was in the it tv adaptation
0: that yeah you know, i was like when he was a little kid he played the young richie actually so the young uh to the like Finn Wolfhard play?
1: <laughs> so so how does Bill Skarsgård compare to Tim Curry because Tim Curry seems like bread and butter for Pennywise
0: I kind of prefer uh Bill Skarsgård to be honest That might be sacrilegious to say that but um Skarsgård has more of like a menacing feel to him whereas Tim Curry I mean he's great in the role don't get me wrong but he kind of feels like more of like a chain smoker that's just like kind of just like an antic like Telling random corny jokes. Like, there's one scene where he tells the adult Richie, like, Oh, do you have Prince Albert in a can? Well, yeah, better let him out and shit like that. Huh, 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 huh. That's how he goes, where Bill Skousgard, like actually feels a little more menacing while he does a little bit of charm to him. So I think it's more of just like a campy take on it.
1: So it's like, it feels like Ronald McDonald if he was a horror clown in the, the Tim Curry version.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's where it's just, it's a lot more campy, a little more like over the top, but it, it works. <laughs>
1: I, I, I haven't seen the Tim Curry one. I'm probably never going to watch it. Maybe I'll watch like a clip of him on YouTube, like yeah, some, sure. some highlights just to get just to get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm ever going to watch that. So you prefer it part one and part two over the miniseries?
0: Yeah, I'd say the overall production value and overall just like acting caliber. I mean, it's kind of almost like comparing apples to oranges because the tim curry version was a tv movie with a limited budget and this is like you had 30 million budget I, I believe so in that sense i mean i think i think it's the perfect type of movie or ad, uh, book that you should do like a remake of or like you know the first um adaptation was not exactly all the way there and you know there's a cool concept in there that could work into something better but you know instead of like you know remaking a classic this is just let's remake something that could use a but you know a touch up
1: Well, you know what I thought was interesting? And I guess we were talking about it before we started recording. Because I was Mm. like, man, all the adults in this are just terrible. And you're like, well, I think that's like Pennywise's presence. It makes them like distance and turn into like the worst versions of themselves. Because all of the adults in this are like, except for maybe Bill's dad, who's just like, who you see one time, who's like, your brother's dead. Now put that away before it upsets your mother. Everybody else is cruel like it's very much implied that beverly's dad uh, molests her mm-hmm.
0: and uh, the bully henry's dad like shoots a gun at his feet and then like it's like the pharmacist in town like hitting on uh, beverly you though she's like a 12 year old girl
1: i i actually have that clip pulled up here because i thought that was like that was like the first true interaction of beverly with the with the gang and i thought it was like a fun little like Oh, I'm going to protect you guys so you can get these medical supplies out here to take care of Ben. You okay? I'm fine. What's wrong with you?
0: None of your business.
1: There's a kid outside. I look like someone killed him.
0: We need some supplies, but
1: we don't have enough money. I like your glasses, Mr. Keene. You look just like Clark Kent. I don't know about that. (laughs) Can I try
0: them? Sure. What do you think? Well, how about that? You look just like Lois Lane. Really? Mm. Well, here we go
1: yeah that so that was her distracting the pharmacist as the boys snuck out with some medical supplies your classic 80s Tom tomfoolery if you will
0: so I, I think this is where the movie really takes off in terms of like building uh, the, the chemistry of the characters um even past the first scene right there like you see a little humor and interaction and the interplay between the characters and seeing like their different personalities right there and i think if this movie like, didn't work at all then the characters like, you wouldn't like the kids at all you know
1: I, I guess I would agree with you. I maybe it just took me out a little bit in the first like 15, 20 minutes. Cause it just felt very like forced, but like um, what's his name? Uh, Eddie. He has the mom that's super overprotective and it turns out like all this medication that he's on and stuff are all just these placebo pills. And it's just another method of control that the mother has over him. Hmm. Right? We find that out later. I think it's, it's very creepy in that sense. And Henry Bowers, who played by Nicholas Hamilton, who is the bully, he is the cruelest bull bull eighties bully I've ever seen in a movie. Like he is so over the top.
0: If there's one thing that Stephen King knows how to do, it's uh, how to fucking write a goddamn bully. Like you know, the fact that Henry like takes one of the kids and he to carve his like uh, names into into the kid's uh, uh, stomach.
1: And he's like, "Yeah, I'm going, to car- I'm going to carve my entire name into you." And even one of the kids is like, "Dude, what the hell are you doing?"
0: Yeah, I, I do like that. We see that like uh, the rest of his gang is kind of just like, "Yeah, like well, you're going a little too far off this right here." But like even in the scene where he grabs the cat and he's just like, "Shoot the goddamn cat!"
1: <laughs> this friends and he's like, "Hold it!" And the friends like, "Dude, like you see him start shaking."
0: Mm-hmm. If there's one thing that I, I- um, that one criticism of the movie is that like with uh henry bowers once he gets possessed by pennywise essentially or like you know paying myself to kill other people his friends completely disappear i thought like we missed the scene of like in the novel is, the characters die obviously and i'm assuming in the movie the same thing happens we could have seen you know just added a little more just like one more kill or something that
1: would be <laughs> add a little tension into it yeah because you saw him get possessed, mm-hmm. possessed we see him kill his dad and pennywise Mm -hmm. is on the tv like i thought though like that was like really the cleverness of the movie is when it's pennywise possessing somebody and it's like he's just taking over this tv show Mm -hmm. Uh, like i thought that was probably the most clever kill because you're like you don't know if he's just going to give the switchblade back to his dad or if he's going to kill him Mm -hmm. but i guess you know wanting to kill a cat wanting to kill an animal is typically the sign of a serial killer like those are very early signs of yeah of serial killers (laughs) and he has no remorse in the
0: movie it was probably like a light push at best for him where it was just like all right like pain wise didn't need to do too much goading right there for henry bowers i mean the fact that before his car was his fucking name
1: well his death was vicious he falls down the the well uh mike Pushes him down the well, and then there's just no fallout of that at all. This kid going missing.
0: Well, spoiler alert: uh, he's alive in the second one. uh So he comes back up at like 30 years later or something like that, and he's in a mental hospital.
1: <laughs> Wait, he comes out of that well.
0: Well, you don't see him coming out of the well, but I, th- I think the movie just opens up 30 years later. You're like, yeah, he's just in a mental hospital.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, I, I, you're I'm really you're really pushing it part two down my
0: i'm really my throat. i'm really selling it part two uh it part two is definitely like not considered as um well received but i don't know they nail at least the adult casting where like you know jessica chastain plays the adult beverly bill Hader plays the adult richie so in those aspects it it works
1: <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's fine i i you know i guess the more i see of it like when you said you told you know you mentioned the box office numbers like this is almost like that extension of stranger things like it filled that market at the right time. Like, do you think yeah. this does as well if it comes out a year later? Like, I'm not saying it would do bad, but do you, if they did part one, part two, 2018, 2019 release.
0: I, I think that um, stranger things at least was still a phenomenon. I don't think season three was kind of like the down season for stranger things, but season two was oh, still, oh, I, popularity. I
1: oh, popularity wise, I would say, Quality wise, season two was definitely its lowest, but
0: well, yeah, oh, yeah, I think the popular is still there. Season two, um, I, oh, for sure, but but I think that it was just like came at the right time, and this honestly led to a, a Stephen King renaissance where we saw new versions of like Pet Cemetery of uh Firestarter, and like, um, and this also was the third Stephen King movie released this year, and I think this might have been the best one or at least the second best because they came off, um. The Dark Tower, which apparently is dog shit. Uh, Gerald's Game, which is a really great one. And then It. And It obviously is the one that everyone's going to remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that's the Matthew McConaughey Idris Elba Dark Tower.
0: Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's like a god awful and just a terrible adaptation. <laughs> Wasn't it
1: supposed to be like two or three parts
0: and... The first part did so bad they were just like
1: eh, we're gonna pull the plug on this yeah
0: well the dark tower is i'm pretty sure it's like a like 30 part book or something like that where it's like, like six just...
1: parts but it's a, like if you put the whole thing together it's like three thousand pages or something like that
0: i i think even more than that i think uh you're underselling it a little but it's just apparently just yeah they did not do a good job there
1: <laughs> yeah I think, yeah, I think that this one is right to be remembered. I, it feels like it still has a place in pop culture. I think Pennywise is just really like an iconic character. I think he's somebody that audiences mm. kind of gravitate to because he is just so creepy. And I think the way they like blended the effects, like the effects looked great in this. Mm. They did, like the special effects. I had some issues with the lightings where it got too dark, which is just an issue I have with most modern things where it's like you can have a flickering light above... So I could see what's going on. It's yeah. okay. You don't have to shroud this in darkness. I get it. He's in darkness, but I would like to see what's actually happening on the screen.
0: Uh, I, I hear you there. We're, um, I mean, in terms of Harry, kind of that's sometimes of like darker lighting. And um, I, I think in the cinema, it definitely felt a little uh, better, but like, you know, if you're, at, you're watching on your TV, it can be just too much. This yeah. is not a movie you watch on like a sunny day.
1: <laughs> no, no. You watch this on a rainy day like with the lights off yeah <laughs> to, to get spooked like what's the scariest part of the movie to you
0: i think that there's like one one thing that you notice a little bit more on rewatches um uh the one scene where it's been in the library um this movie i think has a great sense of depth really where it just really shows just like things going on in the background a lot and like um so Ben's in the library in that one scene and he's reading like the book about Pennywise and like you know finding out about the history of dairy. And you can notice in the corner that there's like the li- the librarian who is a complete dick to him for no reason. <laughs> she is in the corner and very clearly is Pennywise. It's a little bit out of focus, but you can see her just like oh yeah staring at him, just like and her mouth seems a little bit unnatural. And that just fucks with me.
1: <laughs> like there wasn't really any jump scares for me in this one. Which I think works in its favor and it doesn't try to do it. It doesn't it, like twice, really. It doesn't really mm. try to do it too often. I thought like the spookiest part was I thought like the bathroom scene with the blood coming down, like when mm-hmm. Beverly's in the bathroom and then the dad walks in, he's like, I, there's no blood on the wall. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I thought that was pretty freaky. Like, just like those kind of like mind fucks where the adults are
0: not going to be able to see these things. I think that's, like, a great, like, just way to explain away, like, why these kids aren't going to the parents. Because immediately it's just like, oh, the parents can't see this. And so you don't have to do, like, this stupid, like, doctor being like, oh, you're clearly crazy. Like, what do you think talking about? <laughs> I think I
1: would have liked that personally. But that's okay.
0: And to each their own. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star tommy who is the star of this movie
0: i think there's only one answer here uh i'm gonna have to go with bill skarsgård as pennywise he literally elevated this role i mean i think he bested tim curry and pennywise like probably the second most famous Simonite clown after the joker now (laughs)
1: yeah i would also go with bill skarsgård i mean uh, the kids have Great performances. I was a little down on Finn Wolfhard. Maybe I was just being too hard because I think he was he's great in Stranger Things. But I think, like, I thought Sophia Lillis, like, I thought she was the best of the kid actors. I thought she brought, like, a lot of heart to the group. Like, the one that seemed a little bit older than the rest of them that felt like she could show them bravery in places that these group of so-called losers, self-called losers, would wouldn't be able to find it. So I thought she had a nice performance, but it's got to be Bill Skarsgård. I mean, Pennywise is like legitimately an iconic figure. And following in Tim Curry's footsteps is not an easy thing to do. It's definitely, definitely a challenge. And I think from what you're saying, it's better than Tim Curry's and different enough to stand alone.
0: It's uh, definitely, it's almost like kind of like the going from Jack Nicholson as the Joker from, Heath ledger as the joker where it's just like two iconic performances but they are a little bit different that they they work differently they can fit in different universes um i remember when this movie came out like five years ago uh that halloween i remember there were so many people dressed up as pennywise i was like the go-to halloween costume at the time
1: and this came out in september so that's like the perfect time for all that costume stuff to follow up too because you're not waiting mm-hmm. a couple of months to dole that one out it's like nope
0: ah are you ready comedy partner waka waka tommy would it 2017 work
1: as a muppet adaptation
0: i feel like pennywise as a muppet would work fucking really well (laughs) so would pennywise be the only muppet Uh, would that be the inverse of it or it's just like instead of just like it being like bill skarsgård it's just like literally a weird muppet thing
1: (laughs) yeah it would have to be like a pennywise muppet creation but i would like to see it, because I think it would turn it from, like, a horror movie to, like, a comedic farce, and it would be hilarious.
0: Yeah, it it would just be amazing, where he's just, like, fucking flailing his arms all around, like, Kermit and stuff like that. Who would be Pennywise? Would it be Kermit? Would it be (laughs) Gonzo? Or Fozzie?
1: I think it would be Fozzie, right? Yeah. It would have to be Fozzie. Ah. Waka waka, Georgie, I have your boat. (laughs) They want to float? (laughs) Huh? Come down here, Georgie. You want to (laughs) play? yeah i you know we push for a lot of muppet adaptations on this podcast i can understand why disney would be
0: like no <laughs> no child killing muppets don't have fuzzy Ma- maul someone <laughs> i think jim henson would probably be a little upset with that too
1: yeah so tommy review time what's your score
0: so uh, this is probably like my third or fourth time watching this movie. Um, I saw it in theaters like opening weekend from what I remember. Um, I think it's a really fun adaptation. Um, you know, they did the best they could do with the novel. with Because the novel is a thousand pages, um, over a thousand pages. So there's a lot to cram in there. And I think this movie really just got me more into Stephen King right here. And I think it's a just great performance by Bill Skarsgård. Uh, I just wish that some of the other characters had a little more room to breathe. So I'm going to go up a four out of five.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bill Skarsgård, we, as we mentioned, star of the show. It, the kids are really good, which helps a lot. If it was bad child acting, this movie would be a total slog and probably one you wouldn't be able to get through. I think it suffers from following the the novel as closely as it does because it just jumps around and it has a manic energy to it, which works in Penny's wise favor. But in terms of like an audience viewing it, it, it feels incoherent and it feels like the motivations aren't fleshed out enough for them to be going down this crazy journey into a creepy house into a well it it all feels it feels like it could have been tighter but I understand Stephen King's very protective of his work and he's not going to let that happen which is fine I think the set designs were really cool I thought like the set pieces were really cool Uh, I think it doesn't do too much traditional horror like jump scares, like it doesn't overload you with that. And it's a little bit more like the psychological terror that comes from from Pennywise. I'm gonna give this a three out of five. I think it's a good adaptation of a classic horror novel. I it's not personally like my kind of cup of tea, but three Mm. out of five, like if if this is your jam, you're gonna love it. And it's it's well made, it's well executed, it's well performed. I if you you'll know if you like it or not you either do or you don't and you, you know by based on the trailer yeah <laughs> that's fine so Tommy any final thoughts
0: I, I didn't realize this until we made our schedule but Andy Musetti is also directing the Flash movie and we're also covering an Ezra Miller movie later this month so we're going to get a double dose of Ezra right there and <laughs> are we ever going to get the Flash movie uh, I mean that might be cancelled I mean that might be coming on the pipeline but we'll, we'll save our thoughts for the full Ezra Miller episode. That's the perks of being a wallfire. That's coming later this month. But uh, next week, we have Karate Kid coming up. And thank you guys for listening. Follow us on social media at um, it Pod on t- uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And leave um, us a five star review wherever you listen to your podcast. Really helps us out. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.